Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Welcome to our Celebrity Divorce Series. It's the last Wednesday of November. Today, we're going to look at three fairly long divorces. And we're going to look at how to make your divorce more efficient. The celebrity divorces under the microscope today are Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. We've talked about them in other podcasts. They are four to five years in the making and child custody seems to be their biggest issue. Then there's Maria Shriver and Arnold Schwarzenegger, 10 and a half years, and we'll go through the issues in their divorce, which are very interesting and kind of follow what I consider to be the right pattern. Lastly, there's Bethany Frankel and Jason Hoppe. It took them eight years. And what I believe were the issues in their divorce were child custody, the penthouse apartment that we all saw on Real Housewives of New York and settling that out. And I'm kind of thinking the money on the Seagram's deal, which really catapulted Bethany into big money success that we saw on the Real Housewives of New York that Jason was part of working on that deal because they were married. So a little bit about each of them. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. So they're already divorced. They're just going through the custody issues. Well, I had Chris Melcher, an attorney, on the program, and we were talking about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And and Chris's comments were more about when the issues are about children. You have to suck it up and compromise. You can't let your ego be part of the divorce. And it kind of looks like by all uh, all articles in the news that Angelina is really the one not able to accept an apology from Brad, but there could be so much more behind the scenes as there always is. Not accepting that maybe Brad changed from being alcohol driven, maybe a little bit of drug driven, I don't know. I mean, just stuff in the news. But the kids are getting older, so they better put pedal to the metal and make some decisions so that they can both move on, but their divorce is still ongoing. I'm going to read from Maria Shriver and Arnold Schwarzenegger quickly from a couple articles because we know the least about them than we do about Bethany and Jason. She was in the news a lot. The pair, Maria and Arnold, the pair married in 1986 and Maria filed for divorce in 2011 after Schwarzenegger disclosed he had fathered a child with a member of their household staff years earlier. I found this fascinating, not that this would happen, but that it could be kept quiet for that long. I found that amazing. The revelation set off a tabloid frenzy, but Schwarzenegger and Shriver handled their divorce quietly and without lobbying accusations in court or in public. So admirable, I can't tell you. 
It's not clear why the process took so long. I'm going to clear it up for you in a minute. There were virtually no public actions taken in the case between the initial flurry of filings in 2011 and a resumption of court moves in June of 2021. So they filed in 2011, Maria did, and he responded. And the divorce concluded in December of 2021, uh, just about a year ago. Financial details of the settlement were kept confidential, as they typically are in celebrity divorces. Because the couple's four children together are now all adults, yes, people do grow up, there is no child support or custody arrangement. Right. Once you graduate from high school, those obligations are done. Settlement papers say that neither owes the other any spousal support. No, they're both filthy rich. But both reserve the right to seek it through the court in the future. Okay, so that's something you can do in California. You may not want it now, but you reserve the right to look at it in the future. I can't imagine a scenario with Maria and Arnold that would put one of them in the position of asking for spousal support. I simply can't imagine it. As a matter of fact, I had a couple that had a $25 million estate some years ago. They split it right down the middle. It was the easiest divorce in the world to do. They split it right down the middle. I did have them get an attorney to look over the settlement agreement that I wrote just in case some bells and whistles needed to be put in because there was so much money they were dividing. The one thing I learned, though, it was written properly, which I was really happy about with for myself. But what I learned was at a certain point when the assets are considerable, there is no spousal support because you just get a good financial person to start reinvesting for you and you can live off the interest. And, and it was a very substantial settlement. Okay, so that's one article I read from. And now here's another article that says Schwarzenegger and Shriver have been happily settled, uh, excuse me, happily separated. As one mutual friend told page six, so this is a New York Post article here, they have a great relationship, they're very close, and take care of the kids, and they see each other a lot. So that was in the beginning, the kids were minors. So it came as no surprise to many that they finally closed the door on their marriage just days after Christmas, again, 2021, as the judge finalized their divorce. On the same day the divorce was announced, it seemed that Shriver, a frequent Today Show contributor, was emotional as she announced a social media break, posting on Twitter See you in 2022. I hope you also take some time for yourself in the next few days. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay present. We're going to get into the emotions of a divorce and how it affects the legal side of the divorce in a minute. This is really important, what was just written here, and they don't even know how important it was, I bet. As for why the couple took so long to divorce... The mutual friend added, I just don't think they wanted to push the button. They weren't ready to disentangle themselves. But there are a few reasons for finally doing this, and it's a good time of year to do this. You can get things done quietly when people are busy celebrating the holidays, meaning you can get through the court system quickly and quietly. Um, 
if you choose to finalize in a month like December. What was said was so prescient about the Shriver-Schwarzenegger divorce. And that is something we're going to talk about in regards to the two divorces coming up in a few minutes. There are two different divorces, the emotional divorce and the legal divorce. And I'm going to get to this in a second. But in the world of divorces in La La Land, Los Angeles, for non-celebrity divorces, for non-celebrities, divorces can easily take two to 14 years. Yes, I inherited a divorce that was filed by attorneys previous to me coming on board to mediate and conclude the filing, a divorce that was lingering in the court system for 14 years when it got to me. The profile of this divorce was a former Hollywood executive of serious standing in the film industry, two minor children, and a wife who needed to develop marketable skills in order to provide for herself because there was no money left for child or spousal support. One of the issues in this case was that the Hollywood executive fell from grace within the film community, and it doesn't mean it's his fault, by the way, and new revenue from new films dried up. All of the other passive income from previous films that he had done was gone because those assets were sold in order to pay for the divorce, lawyers, and for child support and spousal support while the lifestyle didn't change. This is something that I have really found in Hollywood, that you live a certain lifestyle based on who you are in the film industry or television industry, uh, based on ego, based on competitiveness, so that you don't look like anything has changed in your life, even though work has gone away and you're now getting a divorce. This is a really tough situation. I do not judge anybody. I do not fault anybody. I understand what this is about. It's so incredibly hard to be high profile, to have work go away, and then to have your entire personal life change. It's unbelievably difficult to make that transition. So again, this is just an interesting story. And non-celebrities do find themselves in this position as well. I just think this is an interesting learning lesson to, to discuss. So back to the story. All of the excesses, like fabulous vacations, expensive cars, killer expensive private schools, didn't change in this couple's life. The proverbial brick wall was hit. The family crashed and burned financially. Now, here's the learning lesson. When a divorce is filed for, the daily budget has to change to accommodate the expenses of the divorce. The spouses themselves have the power to control the divorce. So they can either accommodate the divorce or just continue to live their lives as they did until they crash, until you crash and burn. Well, unless there are serious mental health challenges, the couple isn't, is in control. Um, and the mental health challenges can be severe personality disorders in one of the spouses, but still 
If you look at divorce as a compromise and look at the best compromise you can make in order to conclude the divorce without endangering your children, you can control the timeline and the expense of the divorce. But where does the ego stand on compromise? In the way. Ego can be deadly if a compromise is what is needed to end the filing and get the divorce and all of its components resolved. Okay, ego is a big issue. Even in the simplest divorces, what if you're the first divorce in your family? It's ego. You feel embarrassed. You don't really want to talk about it. You don't want to share it. You may be going through the divorce months before anybody really knows, even your parents. That's how embarrassing divorce can be. That's how difficult it can be to accept the fact that you will no longer be married and to make decisions that accommodate the divorce. So if you're not explaining to your family and friends that you're getting divorced, you can't really make the changes you need to make that are supported by money, that are supported by vacations that you normally go on, rituals that you normally have, um, holidays that you normally spend with family, churches that you may go to together. I mean, everything changes in your life when you file for divorce. And if it's embarrassing, if you're, it's very difficult to talk about it, you may not change anything just to mask, but eventually things have to change. So I want to tell you a story that I know I brought up in a previous podcast, but it bears repeating. And this is about being married to a personality, a, a, a personality disordered person, generally a narcissist with sociopathic risings that just wants to stir the pot to keep the divorce going to control you and to feel like they're in control of everything. Because you know with a narcissist and some other personality disordered people, control is the name of the game. But when I was at Urgent Care, what was it, a year and a half ago, for high blood pressure, uh, my urgent care doctor told me a story about how she concluded her divorce. And I want to share that with you again. She was married to somebody who she felt had issues. They had one daughter, adolescent. She didn't want to keep the child from her father. She wanted to share the daughter with the father. But her big concern was that she didn't want the father to have more parental time because she really didn't think the father was going to be a good influence on the daughter. That was what she had told me. This is while we were waiting for my test results to come back at the urgent care. She's telling me this story. They both had attorneys. She said to her attorney, I know how I think I can conclude this and I'm going to take control. She's not the first person I've had heard of that said to their attorney, I'm going to take over right now. And sometimes you may have to do this too. You have to take over. You know your spouse better than anybody knows your spouse. And at a certain point, it becomes a lawyer's game. That's all it becomes is a lawyer's game. The lawyers quite often are not incentivized 
to conclude the divorce because that means they wouldn't make money. Now, not every lawyer is like this. There are many lawyers who consider the practical application of law very important, and they consider being um, recommended because they were efficient and didn't make making money the biggest issue. But they looked at the human element of the divorce as more important than them making money. I mean, listen, this is a money pit. The legal side of divorce is a huge money pit, and you really have to understand how you can fall into that money pit so easily. Anyway, she contacts her husband and she says, I would like to end the divorce as peacefully as we can. I will give you whatever you want to conclude this. Okay, so he's shocked. And he said, are you serious? You'll give me anything I want? She said, yes, I'm very serious. Just tell me what you want. I will give it to you. And we will conclude the divorce. And she was really gambling on the fact that what he didn't want was more co- was more custody time, more co-parenting time. She was gambling on it, and she actually made a good gamble. She was right. So he asked for things that did not comport with California community property law. He asked for more than 50% of things. And she said, okay. He was shocked. He said, you're kidding. You're going to give me this? She said, I told you. All you had to do was name what you wanted, and I was going to give it to you because I would like to conclude this. And he said, okay, I want one more thing. I want a trip to Hawaii. And she said, done deal. I'll have my attorney write it up, and we will conclude. And that's exactly what happened. You all know your spouses better than the attorneys know your spouses. Take control of the situation. If you can take control, it's a matter of your mental health to limit a personally dis- a personality disordered person from sinking their claws into you and making your life a living hell. Just give up the money. That's all you have to do is give up the money and you'll have a better life. I just had this conversation with somebody about a week ago in my office. And she was saying to me, I just want this to be over. And I said, well, what's the biggest issue? Money, she said. I said, can you give up the money? And she looked at me. She said, even child support? I said, no, the court. I said, no, this is for your child. I mean, the division of assets. Can you give it up? Can you take less? Can you do something different so that he'll stop arguing with you and move it forward? And she thought about it. She didn't take it. She signed off on things. But I don't know. She has a while to decide to change her mind. In California, you have a little time after you submit things to the court to change your mind. Even after the divorce is final, call an attorney and you will find out things that could be in your favor. If you feel that you signed off on a bad agreement, this is why you always need legal advice. I never said, listen, as much as I talk about be careful hiring attorneys, I never think you should eliminate them from the process. You actually need good legal advice. Moving right along, divorce is an issue of compromise, not an issue of fairness. Life isn't fair, nor is divorce. Divorce is shitty. 
at best, unless approached with an eye for compromise and the ability to communicate through conflict, along with taking the time to heal emotionally before making legal decisions. So the three central key points here in mitigating the length of a divorce, bringing a divorce to its conclusion are these three things. Go through the emotional divorce before filing the legal divorce, or at least put a pause on the legal divorce so you can go through the emotional divorce. There are two divorces. The emotional divorce is disconnecting from the relationship. I mean, even if it wasn't a great relationship for most of the time, you still invested yourself in that marriage. You still invested your emotions, your concept of marriage, who you thought you were as a human being, as uh, part of a relationship, as a mother, as a father. You invested yourself. So even if you're clear that the marriage needs to be over, you still have to go through the grief stages of divorce. There are grief stages. You know, when people die, we talk about the five grief stages of death. There are two more for divorce. The two extra grief stages for divorce are fear slash guilt and apology slash forgiveness. And the reason why those two are added on to the other grief stages for death, what are those grief stages? Compromise, um, uh, acceptance, bargaining, denial. I can't remember the other two. It's because your spouse is still living. That's why you have the other two grief stages and you have to deal with your spouse, especially if you have minor children. So you need to really unravel the emotions of your relationship before you jump into the legal fire and try and make big ass legal decisions. You can't make good legal decisions while you're emotional, while you're sad, while you're despondent, while you're depressed. You can't do it. Oh, depression is one of the five stages of um, uh, death, grief over death. You can't do it. So if you've already filed for your divorce, so here's what happens a lot of times. One person says to the other person, I, I, I want a divorce. And then one of them runs to the, okay, I'm lawyering up, and they run to the, the attorney. Wrong, bloody move. Don't run to the attorney immediately unless there's extenuating circumstances, unless it's domestic violence or something like that. But if it's the garden variety divorce, don't run to the lawyers. Get legal advice, but don't start the filing immediately. Talk. Talk out how you two think you would like your divorce to go. Take a pause. Heal a little bit and then get together and try and resolve the emotions. You're going to blame each other at first and then you're going to realize at a certain point it simply doesn't matter. If it really was some one one person's fault, they'll have to deal with that. Don't feel like a failure if if somebody else perpetrated it. Look at this as a journey. 
It is just part of your life. It's not the only part of your life. It's not the end of your life. Life goes on whether you like it or not. And you have to be part of it unless you decide to end your life. I hope you don't, by the way. But there are two divorces. And each person goes through the emotions of the uncoupling differently. And they take different amounts of time. The person who first thought of the divorce and maybe was the one to approach the other spouse for the divorce, that person typically has a jump start on going through the emotional divorce. Well, you've got to let the other person catch up. You can't just say, well, I've gone through it. Come on, let's put a move on. Uh Uh-uh. And people do that when they come here. You know, I can tell or they've said, yes, I was the one who wanted the divorce and this is why. And okay, that's fine. And then they want the other person to move quickly. And I just say they can't. You have to give them the time that you took. How long did it take you, first of all, just to ask for the divorce? I mean, you processed first. So you've got to, you've got to let your spouse process as well. And if you've already started the filing for some reason, because you just became over emotional, because you wanted to get the upper hand, there is no upper hand, by the way. Nobody has the upper hand. Doesn't matter who files first. You're both equal. File a response. You're both equal. Um, put a pause in it. Put a pin in it. You don't have to. You're in charge of the timing. You know, unless there are extraordinary situations of, again, of domestic violence, of drugs and alcohol, um, you know, threat to your life, things like that. I mean, there are, there are things like that going on. But if you have the garden variety divorce that's all emotional, you can stop the process of filing whenever you want. You are in charge of that, not the court, generally do it. Take the time you need so that when you come back to the legal side, you can make really good decisions for yourself. And it's magical, by the way, that when people run out of money, all of a sudden they can talk. Isn't it funny? All of a sudden people can have conversation with each other and make deals when they've run out of money and there's no more fight left in them. If you can do it then, you can do it now while you still have money left. Then there's compromise, just like the urgent care doctor. There is always compromise. I tell all of my clients, divorce is an issue of compromise, not fairness. Forget fair. If you want to argue fair, you're going to argue the rest of your life. What you think is fair is different what the other person thinks is fair. I mean, if you really want to go fair, you go according to the laws of the state. You know, just do that. Hire attorneys or go to trial without attorneys. Let the judge make the decisions. Forget fair. There's nothing fair about anything. Life is a learning lesson. Life is a journey. And your divorce is part of your journey. So do what you can to compromise your way through the settlement. You know, ask Ask if you can take a little more on this side and give a little more on that side. When I get people in mediations, man, it's creative problem solving. And I have such a good time watching people compromise. It Literally, it's the best thing to see when people, in order to compromise, listen to each other. What do you want? 
No, what do you want? Okay, this is what I would like. This is what I would like. It is so wonderful to see that go on. And then you craft the settlement that works for both of you, even in light of the fact that you're not going straight law of the state. And then lastly, the third component, communication skills, use communication skills for high conflict situations. Yes, you need to learn communication skills for conflict. And there are, because at the drop of a hat, either of you are going to become emotionally charged by something. And you need to know how to communicate with each other so you don't fan the flames of conflict even more. And we're going to get to that in a minute. I would like at this time to make a distinction between getting divorced and resolving the parts of the marital estate that go along with the termination of the marriage. At least in the state of California where I live and work, people can get a status-only divorce, meaning that the legal relationship is over, but that all the decisions over child custody and child support, spousal support, or alimony in your state, and the division of assets and debts is still ongoing. That could take years and has in the cases of Bethany Frankel and Jason Hoppy and Brad and Angelina. Regarding Maria Shriver and Arnold Schwarzenegger, their divorce had been really private. Not much has been written about it after the initial stories came out with the relationship between Arnold and the nanny slash housekeeper and fathering a child. But I have a suspicion that there were that there was emotional stuff well under the surface of the relationship that took a while to get through before finalizing all the details of the divorce. And here's why I say this. I was producing live entertainment uh, before I got into the divorce business, and I was producing live entertainment for a holiday party that they were at at a very wealthy couple's estate in Beverly Hills well before they filed for divorce. And this was at the time while the political battle with then-Governor Gray Davis of California and Schwarzenegger was brewing. They were both at the party, Davis and Arnold were, and it's so interesting to me how people who are positioned as combatants, like Gray Davis and Arnold Schwarzenegger, were both invited guests of the host who contributes money to both parties, as many political donors do, just to get a seat at the table at whomever wins. That was a real learning lesson to me. I mean, this is a little aside from divorce. But when I saw both Gray Davis walk into the party and Arnold and Maria walk into the party with all of their bodyguards, I said to myself, you know, People who have a lot of money and who are donors, like the hosts of this party, they contribute to both campaigns because they want a seat at the table regardless of who wins. And the normal public doesn't get that this is what goes on behind the scenes. And just because I had this job of producing live entertainment for very wealthy parties, did I get to see a view of life that most people don't get to see? Very, very interesting. 
So what I witnessed between Arnold and Maria at that party interpersonally has stuck in my mind ever since and is the reason why I'm guessing that there was a lot of emotional stuff that had to be dealt with before signing off to conclude the divorce decisions. Arnold was holding court in the living room, smoking the largest cigar I've ever seen with many of the male guests as his audience as he pontificated on whatever he was pontificating, God knows. Maria, on the other hand, was standing in the living room, but away from Arnold and the men in front of the bar that was set up with a few ladies around her engaging in quiet conversation. I looked at what I interpreted as the power imbalance in their lives and the lack of intimacy and togetherness expressed as a couple at this event. They were never together. I thought that was odd because Maria comes from Kennedy money, wealth and prestige, and she had her own career as a journalist. She was a media star in her own right, but in public at this event, she seemed to play a quieter role while her husband took center stage. I never saw them standing together. Now that we're talking about long divorces and why, I wonder if the entire relationship was a power imbalance emotionally, regardless of how much money each of them had coming into the marriage. Harkening back to my earlier statement of going through the emotions of the divorce before settling the legal divorce, I think this is, I think this went on in their, in their divorce. And you know that I just read that article about the friend, the personal friend saying there was a lot of emotion that, that at least Maria had to go through. You just don't know how long settling the emotional divorce will take. You really don't. It's different in everybody's case. There are always two divorces, the emotional divorce and the legal divorce. The emotional, In the emotional divorce, people have to go through the seven stages of grief, as I uh, uh, commented earlier. And if you don't do that, then your divorce takes the rest of your natural life to get through. I think the Schwarzeneggers did the right thing. I really do. I think they took the time they needed. They didn't play it out in the media. They took care of their kids. Now their kids are grown. And I guess they came out perfectly fine. While people try, when people try to make decisions while under emotional duress, before they've properly gone through the divorce grieving process, they make mistakes. They give too much away. They don't think through their decisions logistically, and they don't consult attorneys enough. Or if they're not using the attorneys, um, they use paralegals like me, or they use online divorce filing. And the same issues, the same issues are there. You have to go through the emotions before you look at the legal the, the legal decisions that you have to make. Just because people have money and fame doesn't mean they're emotionally strong and feel like an equal partner to their spouses. 
the face provided to the public can easily be much different than the actual dynamic of the marriage. Emotions know no logic or boundaries when it comes to feeling like an equal relationship partner. Feelings of self-worth, this is interesting, feelings of self-worth are quite often at the heart of the power imbalance. Issues of self-worth come from childhood, are ingrained in the heart and mind, color the way people think of themselves in relationships, regardless of their level of professional self, I'm sorry, professional success and personal self-worth and wealth. Really very different. It's ironic to me that when parents are in dispute over custody, like Brad and Angelina and Bethany and Jason, um, when they're in dispute over custody, especially when that time frame stretches to years, the children become older and can easily graduate from high school no longer minors, making the disagreement over custody a moot point. And I, I have a feeling that's when, that's what's going to happen or is happening with Brad and Angelina. Custody is the only issue. Everything else is settled. Um, and, you know, Jason, Jason and, and Bethany are in the same boat, too. I'll get to that in a second. I have clients with children. And with the intention to divide everything down the middle, according to California community property law, who takes several years because one or both are not ready to emotionally untangle. They aren't ready to legally untie the knot because going from a marriage to being single is huge and they need whatever time they need to heal to process the marriage, to accept that the future will be different, even though they have not lived together for several years. The catalyst to finalize is either that the person lingering in the emotional divorce is now ready to move on, or that one spouse has another relationship that can't withstand the ongoing divorce. So hope that your spouse, who might be the one lingering, gets another relationship because guaranteed that new relationship person is going to say, come on, get a move on. And that new relationship person is, is going to be your best friend to finalize the divorce. Lastly, we have conflict communication. When there is a personality disorder like narcissism, sociopathic behavior, and bipolar disorder, it takes compromise and communicate, it makes compromise and communication very difficult. The personality disordered person is the one who typically wants to keep the acrimony going, prolonging a final settlement. I wonder if this was part of Bethany Frankel's divorce. The public didn't hear from Jason Hoppy, only Bethany, because she was in the Real Housewives of New York at the time and other high-profile media coverage from her work and philanthropic endeavors. So Bethany was like, she was trying to have her own talk show on television. Um, Ellen DeGeneres was in support of that. Uh, Bethany started um, uh, philanthropic endeavors, you know, when when hurricanes were started, she was, you know, getting that 
she was getting support ready for uh, Houston, Puerto Rico. I mean, this war- girl really, really tried to put her money to good use. Um, and if we are to believe Bethany, Jason had mental health issues. I believe there were measures in place to limit the contact between the two. And they had a child, you know, so my heart went out to that whole family. Jason had a job, you know, so he could support himself. But Bethany had ridiculous money. Jason did help her with that Seagram's deal because it was on the Real Housewives of New York. And I don't forget things like this. So my guess is that uh, that apartment uh, that they were living in in New York, that huge apartment that they got because of the Seagram's deal, the disparate amount of money between Bethany and Jason, because Bethany made a lot more money. And I'm telling you, women who make more money than men have big ass challenges, not only to remain married, but in the divorce. I mean, it's hard to be in a marriage for a man uh, and for a woman when the woman makes more money. We're just not used to it culturally. I mean, once in a while it can work in a marriage, but generally it doesn't. You know, women that out earn men and listen, anybody earn as much as you can. It becomes very difficult for men to accept that. It really does. And with Bethany, I remember that she wasn't accepting that Jason wasn't making huge, huge, huge money, even though he had a job that could support him. She questioned that on The Real Housewives of New York. And I wonder if that really bruised his ego and maybe that's where the conflict started. I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing at this, mostly because I'm imprinting other divorces on top of theirs. But if the mental health issues were true, and even if they weren't, mental health issues do come into play with other divorces. This is the time to develop the skill for conflict communication. Because Bethany is so strong-willed and has that wicked sense of humor as her trademark, using conflict communication may have been her greatest challenge. It is a challenge for everyone because when people are riled up emotionally in fear and anger mode and dealing with the concept of fairness, they have to move past all of that. They have to go through the emotional divorce first, and then they have to read the master of communication, conflict communication, Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y, for his BIF formula to diffuse the conflict. Okay, BIF is an acronym for be brief. So if somebody, if, if, if somebody, is personality disordered and is constantly trying to rile you up and sending you texts and emails that are horrifying. Bill Eddy has the BIF method to deal with it. And BIF is an acronym for brief, informative, friendly, and firm. He says, never engage in verbal fighting, such a waste of time, nobody wins. Engage in a very different form of communication. BIF, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. His BIF method, and I want you to read his books because they will be exceptional. 
The way you respond to conflict communication can turn a toxic text or email to a neutral one that doesn't give the perpetrator room to continue the argument. There is a way of communicating that can diffuse the acrimony in a high-conflict person's communication with you. There is a way of flattening it. You don't feed into it. Timing is everything. You don't even have to respond immediately. Timing is something that is so important because you know when we get these texts that hurt our feelings, that rile us up emotionally, we want to stop everything and we just want to write the angry text or email back. Don't do it. Don't do it. Timing is your best friend before the words come out of your mouth. Before the biff comes out of your mouth, if you can wait a day, if you can exercise self-control, and wait a day before you return your communication, you have such a leg up on control because it's very hard to wait. It really is because we just want to deal with it. How dare they write this to us? Well, you know, if your children's lives aren't at stake, I mean, it's always, if this if this is not endangering your children, take a day. Take two days. You don't have to return angry texts if they're there simply to make you angry. Come on. Nobody's on that kind of hamster wheel. You can take your time because what that does is that makes the toxic words of the acrimonious spouse hang in the balance. Those words will come back to that person. And that person will then start questioning him or herself. That person will wonder what's going on. And when that person wonders what's going on, you've got the upper hand. Now, use the upper hand wisely. Use the upper hand to flatten the argument. And in so doing, the other person will be off kilter. And that's where your control is. Keep that person off kilter a little bit. You need to do that because honestly, you can't manage a personality disorder. I mean, you, you, you know, all you can do is communicate effectively back. And with each communication, you flatten, you flatten, you mitigate. That's your form of control so that you can then present a compromise so that you can help this people, this person move through their emotions. You really need to do that. And who cares if it's not fair? What you're going to be doing is teaching yourself a skill that you can use anywhere. When you can deal with conflict communication properly, when you can exercise self-control over the timing of when you communicate back, you know, you can use this skill anywhere in a business situation, in any other personal situation. In conclusion, do your best. That's all we can do is our best. Do your best. Maybe you do have to hire attorneys at least to start the filing, but there may, there may be a point when your finances have disappeared or you're emotionally ready to stop fighting so that you can use the divorce as a learning experience to come out of the marriage 
an improved version of your married self. Well, thank you for listening to this post-Thanksgiving celebrity divorce episode, episode 201. I hope you've learned a little something to handle your own divorce. Please engage with me if you have a comment on this. People are doing this on social media. And please email me uh, through my website and give me some topics that you may want me to talk about. I'm always open to, to scheduling an episode that specifically addresses uh, needs of the audience. Thank you for listening. As always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. 